You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hey guys, welcome back. It's Friday. Happy Friday. This has been a crazy week, and Paul and I have just realized we are headed in, into our big travel season. I feel Surprise. like we've been luxuriating. We haven't been traveling. We've all been shooting here, test drives and stuff. We've been shooting some stuff for, for season 11, which starts in July. Invariably, and we're fine with this, it's just the reality, invariably there are shoots that have to happen out of town. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we planned them all, and they all felt a long way away, and now, boom, they're all starting to happen <laughs> in the next few weeks. Yeah. Well, this is the payoff for all the begging I've done from all the car manufacturers yes. who have various cars. And please, please, may we have it for these specific dates mm-hmm. so we can shoot it here. We're planning around the snow melting, the roads opening up, and the yes. car availability. May we please get this done. We've so got some great stuff coming. Yeah, really hands exciting. folded. Can we please give it, get into that car? And uh, so far, it's working okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. For, for the most part. We've got some awesome stuff on the calendar. Season 11 is shaping up really, really well. And of course, that does not include, by the way, the GR86 stuff. That's not for TV. Right. That's separate from TV. We've got a lot of big right. comparisons we're setting up there that we're very <laughs> excited about. It also doesn't necessarily include the cars of the past. Some of that stuff is for right. TV, but yes. a lot of it isn't, including our big East Coast trip. If you haven't signed up for our meetup at, in Philly, please do. You can go to our website, the Adventures tab, and find that. We're taking a monster trip from here all the way to the East Coast. Mm. Like, we can touch the water Mm. in Philadelphia and go to Radwood, which is going to be cool. We've got a fun uh, meetup meal the night before that Mandy set up for us. So some of that stuff is for TV, but a lot of it isn't. Yeah, no so at least we're not bored. But thank God we're driving cars. That's the good news. <laughs> we are not usually a scoop show or a news channel true, or anything for true. brand new cars. Yeah. But there is something that was revealed by Audi. It's the Audi A6 e-tron Avant. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking. For future electric cars, every other car manufacturer is going to have to step up their styling game because, dang, yeah, are think, you kidding mm-hmm. me? The wagon version of the Taycan was already my favorite. Yeah. And now we have the full wagon version of that car, which... Scrum yeah, diddly you, you, You've probably just seen Happy Friday. You've probably just seen our test drive on the e-tron. Right. So please right. watch that on our test drive channel. We have that as part of Season 11. There's a longer piece coming on that car. So we've just driven that car. You can hear all our thoughts on the test drive channel. But this is the wagon version. And I have to say, oh, I'm intrigued enough that I think this replaces on my wild weird list. This replaces my winter wagon to go skiing in. Oh, really? Yeah, why not? Because we, we live close to ski areas, yeah, and I'm much more likely to afford a few-year-old Audi wagon e-tron than I am a few-year-old Ferrari FF or Lusso. I mean, <laughs> sure. candidly, which one might I have a chance of eventually getting into? The Audi's on the maybe list. <laughs> I suppose so, but kudos to Audi for their styling department. They are crushing everything right now. They're starting to have their their Audi thing doing to their cars like Hyundai Genesis Kia is doing mm. to their styling on their cars. Mm. I mean, not everything in every category, but generally speaking, those shapes are differentiated. They're working, and I can kind of see what Audi has been doing. Their mantra has been, lines always converge. They're okay. never parallel. Now, okay. you can see some parallel sketch lines on some of the cars simply because they need to be that way. But sure, for the yeah. most part, Audi's theme is lines never are par- parallel. They always converge to a, a distant point. Interesting. Okay. And it gives that 
tension, that stretch, mm-hmm. that motion to all their mm-hmm. lines. And it's so working on this thing. That's cool. I like it a lot. Anyway, <laughs> just thought you'd like to know about it. If you haven't checked it out, go look at it. It's on Audi's media sites. It's all over you know, all the news sites, but, uh, but nevertheless. Speaking of other little announcements, you may have seen this. There is a YouTube video going around. It was on our Discord. All of our patrons are on our Discord channel, and they posted it there. It's called The Focus Group. <laughs> and it is it is a it, it's it's more than that it's like a two or three minute thing it's on right. youtube right now right. and it is about the focus group trying to figure out what commercial to shoot for the gr86 and it's very very funny and it's very well done and it is the it is the clash of marketing think versus driver think on display through this whole thing and it's very funny but the reason i'm bringing it up is we're talking about reveals, and it was cool to see Toyota on the end card. Watch it anyway, but on the end card, did you notice? They've done a direct nod to GR Corolla is coming. Yes, This please. is like from Toyota goes, by the way, ba-boom, this car is on its way. Very cool. We now have an auto parts partnership with CarParts.com. CarParts.com is the smarter way to shop for auto parts. Their fast, mobile-friendly experience makes it easy to shop for the parts you need when you need them. Just enter the year, make, and model of your vehicle. Start shopping and start saving. It's that simple. CarParts.com stocks their own inventory, cutting out the middleman and passing the savings on to you. And they're offering even more savings for our audience. Whether you've been in a collision, working on your project car, or need to catch up on maintenance, visit CarParts.com slash EverydayDriver for 10% off of $100 or more on select brands. Get the right parts right now at carparts.com. Great couple of debates for you from first Ronald S. in Spain, who was a German lacking a driver's car. I didn't think Germans lacked driver's cars. I agree. And then this gets detailed and down into the weeds. And Ronald, Ronald, I'm going to have some tough love for you, buddy. We're going to, we're going to dig in. Really? I am for sure. All right. We've also got Brad L. near Atlanta who is a soon-to-be empty nester and a soon-to-be guy with more money to spend on cars and Uh wonders, even though he didn't send us a budget, which was your first mistake, Brad. That was a mistake. He is interested in possibly two cars, so I do have suggestions for you to expand your horizon. Spread your wings. You can fly. (laughs) This is your time. It's going to be really fun to talk about that one, too. I uh, I got onto kind of a rabbit trail on that one. I started on one path, and I was like, wait a minute. The email says something that sends me just spinning off over here wildly. So we'll see where it goes. <laughs> All right. Well, first, Ronald S. writes to us. He is in Spain. He subscribed to our YouTube channel in August 2007. Whoa. That's been a month away from the very beginning. Yes, it was July of 07. And this year, yes, I have to remind us again because Holy moly. it shocks me. We've been doing this show for 15 years. We've been putting out content. Amazing. Yikes. Okay. Wow. Well, Ronald is German. He's living in the north of Spain since 2015. He's 38 years old. His height is 186 centimeters. centimeters. His- <laughs> he said height, weight. He even converted the height for exactly. us. He's just over six feet tall. Thank you, sir. He sent yeah. his credit card numbers mm-hmm. and what else? Currently pulling stuff from, his, from the ATM. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. He's married. He's got a daughter of just 11 months. He's got a small 10 kilogram dog. That is a small dog. Yes. His current garage consists of Mercedes Benz's. Yeah. So many. I I, I I was having to look them up. I was like, wait, what's that one versus that? Oh my, and it's all the stats too. For sure. Well, I do like and I appreciate, Ronald, that you know the chassis codes mm-hmm. for all of your cars and yes, refer you to do. them that way. And it seems yes, like, do. generally speaking, Europeans do this more than Americans, even though we know the 2JZ engine and we mm-hmm. know the yeah. all the Porsche you know, the chassis E46 codes. The E46 and, and the BMWs. 992 versus the 993, right. which, by the way, are 20 years apart. 
Yeah. But here's Ronald with the family car. His wife drives a 2017 Mercedes B200 automatic. Okay. That is a, that's like Mercedes does the Lexus egg. I hate to say it. Yeah, that the way, B class. That's what it looks like. Yeah. yeah. His daily is an 04 Mercedes W204 C220. That is the diesel mm-hmm. manual with 295,000 miles. Been around the block many, many times. Wow. Well, Mercedes diesel, yeah, from back in the day. That thing will just run. Then he gets to his hobby cars. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he sent man. photos, too, which were great. Oh, man. The number one car is the 1993 Mercedes 600 SEC, the big daddy, the yeah. C140 with an automatic it is the V12. The V12 is the key thing there, yeah. He's got a 1996 Mercedes 280 SL. That's the R129 chassis code. Automatic, <laughs> inline 612,000 miles. And then currently under restoration is a 1985 Mercedes 500 SEC. Mm-hmm. That is the C126 chassis code. Automatic, <laughs> V8, 124,000 miles. No low-mile Mercedes, Mercedes in his life. people, yes. mm-hmm. if yeah. I've ever seen them or heard Big of time. them. Big time. He's got a car history that includes Toyotas and BMWs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Big 7 Series. He had a BMW 120D. That's uh-huh. cool. Yeah. And a Toyota Celica, Celica T121 or T, T21. But since he lives in a village, car usage is obligated for everything. Mm. Public transportation is no option. He needs weekend road trips with his family and once or twice a year, a larger vacation. And he also does weekend road trips alone or just with his father-in-law and visits classic car events. Mm-hmm. He enjoys these small little roads around where he lives. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And and the cars he has, while they're great, are bad for that. There are no, here's a tiny little European road in Spain, chuck this car. He doesn't have that car. He is a wrencher. He loves working on his cars. Big time. He had the BMW, he had that 740D. He's wrenched on that. Then he had an SL280 join last year, the garage in perfect shape, no wrenching necessary. He said it's a joy to drive in the awesome mountain roads here in the north of Spain. Although the driving experience could be better, he admits it's too heavy and it's automatic, mm-hmm. even though he drives it a lot. He says even in winter, due to the panora- panoramic hardtop, he drives it. So that's at least 40% of the week for his daily. And it's because that C220 is boring. Mm. So in addition, during the summertime, he's open, enjoying the open-air experience. Now, this restoration project that was the latest purchase, lots of work to do on that 1985 V8. Wow. He says, in comparison to its other, his other cars, it's quite easy to work on. He expects to have it in decent shape by the end of this year, 2022. It's his first real classic car. Wait, wait, wait. Scroll, 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 scroll. <laughs> back up, back up, back up. Define classic. 1993 600 SEC, 1996 280 SL, and the 85 is the, I guess but, it is. But they all count as classics at this point. We yeah, are, frighteningly, we are more than 25 <laughs> years away from all those dates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All classics at this point. Here's what Ronald is up against. The fun car garage consists of maximum two cars due to orders of the Minister of Finance. You have to pay attention to those orders. They, they came down. That is how it's happening. Yes. Okay. The C220 CDI is worthless due to the high mileage and age. Mm-hmm. But he says the running costs are low and it's reliable. Mm-hmm. It stays as the daily and backup car. Theoretically. He also has Sorry, that, did I say that out loud? <laughs> <laughs> Can't control my inner monologue. He does have that emotional binding of father-in-law to his former car. Sure, because that's where he got it from. Yeah. Right. The B200 of his wife, the family hauler, stays. It's not his to decide. Okay. I see that. Ooh. Yep. Leave your wife's car alone. 
but now we got to open the doors to your fun car garage. Mm -hmm. He loves that V12. I mean, 600 SEC, drop-top AMG. Yes, it's easy there. Yes, very cool, yeah. Great road trip car with a family. He says he's considering selling this, and the current market estimates that that he could get 15,000 euros for that. Okay. That's it? Yeah. V12 SEC, baby. Well, yes, it's interesting, but it's like the 850 BMWs. They're fascinating. (laughs) Everybody's like, great car. Who who really wants to buy it? (laughs) Exactly. That's the problem. It's not lack of interest. It's a lack of, do I really want to buy it? And so people run away. What a great car for other people to own. Yeah, for sure. That SL280, he says he considers selling it, but he's fond of having the, he's fond of the idea of having this car in his garage. Okay. The estimated market price that he could get is 22,000 euros. Okay. And then after selling the 500 SEC, after restoring it, he could get at least 20,000 euros for that, that. The key thing is there, after it's restored, it's worth 20. It's clearly not worth 20 right now. Yeah. He writes that we can see he's lacking a driver's car in his garage. He wishes mm-hmm. he still had that Toyota Celica or something better to enjoy the great mountain roads that he's surrounded by. Love it. But he would also like to keep on working together with his father-in-law on classic Mercedes cars. Okay. He had the pleasure of driving several cool new cars due to his work activities in Germany. BMW M2. He drove an MX-5 Miata. He drove an ND Miata. Yeah, well, that The that MX-5 car. ND, yeah. Toyota GT86 automatic. GR86? No, he drove the GT86, GT86. the prior gen. Oh, that's... In Europe. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, let me make a note. The Toyota GT86, prior gen, automatic. Audi TTRS, Golf R, Golf GTI, Mercedes E43 AMG. Oh, good, you drove a Mercedes. Oh, wait, 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 sorry. Yeah. <laughs> he acknowledges this need for a fun driver's car, or maybe a daily. But he also wants a Mercedes Classic for wrenching. He wants a nice road trip car for the family. And if he were to sell everything, his budget is somewhere between 15,000 and 55,000 euro. If it's a fire sale, and let's hope because they didn't burn down, there's 55,000 euros theoretically if everything goes. I am going to use it all. Uh huh. It all has to go. Yeah. The desirable list from his point of view include a Mercedes 190. <laughs> hey, look, Mercedes is on this list. And then there's another Mercedes, the oh C36 gosh. AMG. That's on there as well. Yeah. He says the older versions of the Toyota Celica with four-wheel drive interest him. Okay. As the Toyota MR2 does. He's never driven it, though. He's interested in the Toyota GR Yaris. That's interesting. Yeah, for it. sure. And a GR86, which okay, is cool. He acknowledges the Miata, Mazda Miata RF, MX-5 RF. He's never driven a Cayman or a Porsche 944. And at this point, he's completely open to other suggestions and additional driving homework. And then he gives us these options here. Like, you know, he's, he's horse trading. He can shuffle this. What if I sold this? You know, get rid of that. And what if I kept that one? <laughs> right. And what's great about it, though, is that, he, that his minister of finance has said two hobby cars, not three. Yeesh. And what I like about this is that Ronald took all of his options and broke them down and acknowledged at the end. He's like, thanks, guys, because I realize as writing this down, it has helped me realize what my options are. He has every variant of horse trading, all of these cars, keep this one, sell that one, what about this? But I like that the exercise was helpful. That's true. Yeah, you're right. You're right. The number one option is to sell the V12, finish the V8, and sell both, buy a, buy a Toyota GR Yaris or a GR86 if available, use it as the daily, and then keep the SL as the classic hobby car. Okay. But then he doesn't have a nice ride for family road trips mm-hmm. and barely can wrench on it. Wrenching is a big deal here. It is, for sure. Or he could sell just one of the two. He could sell the V12 or the SL, or when the 500 SEC, the V8, is finished, 
Then buy the 190E <laughs> the 16-valve, uh-huh. as the fun driver classic Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Or he could sell all the classic Mercedes-Benzes and purchase another Mercedes, <laughs> which is actually, Ronald, oh. where I'm leaning, because you suggested the W124 Mercedes E500, the one built by Porsche. They are very cool. Yeah. They're extremely cool. I that combines say. all the requirements, and you said that. Fun to drive, nice road trip with family, and classic Mercedes for wrenching. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. But then where does he go from there? Mm-hmm. Because that didn't take the need for a fun car. There's away. no fun car in that scenario at all. Yeah. So what do, what do we do? He says, if we consider going to Spain, we should have a look at the incredible roads in Cantabria. Wow. Okay. Absolutely. We have a lot of places we'd like to go to on the earth, by the way, <laughs> I drive around and it only takes, you know, two things, money and time. So uh, that'll happen next week. Mm. But I'm glad that to see the listing for sure. Uh, Ronald. <laughs> You're going to light it up. Have Ronald, at it. Ronald. Do it. Um, wrenching <laughs> happens on all kinds of cars. Yeah. Wrenching is, you started wrenching on a BMW. You are now mired in, I must wrench on a Mercedes. And I have to ask you why. I bet she's got all the Mercedes specialty tools. Probably. But but what what I sense from this email, because you, you inherited a Mercedes from your father-in-law. Clearly, you guys have a close relationship. And mm-hmm. the thing you do together is wrench on cars and go for drives. But you can wrench on anything. Hmm. I feel like you're tied to Mercedes because... The experience of inheriting that car from your father-in-law, which was a Mercedes, and wrenching on cars with your father-in-law, which was a Mercedes, you feel like you guys can't bond unless it's a Mercedes. And I challenge that. Oh, good. I Just like this. get something else to wrench on. Wrench on whatever it is. Hey, I got this old tractor. It doesn't have to. Maybe. <laughs> half, of the, half of the manufacturers feel like made tractors at one point. Anyway. Come help me make this lawnmower run again. Totally. So let's unload the Mercedes. And, and here's the crazy thing. You keep worrying about what's the one I'm going to wrench on. You have the 500 that isn't even out of the garage yet. That's true. Every time you go through one of these scenarios, the 500 only leaves when it's done being restored. It's middle of restoration. You still have a Mercedes to wrench on. Because you can't, all the engines. you can't get rid of it right now right? because it isn't restored yet. So you, if you wipe out everything else in the garage and you do not buy anything with a Mercedes triple star on it, you still have a Mercedes in the garage right now to wrench on. True. So it all goes, Ronald. All the Mercedes wow. out the door and the 500 when you get the chance. And you and your father-in-law start having conversations about what else might you like to wrench on. What intrigues you? I mean that BMW. He said got the BMW experience, and he did. Uh, yes, others. but that but that was the the gateway drug to to wrenching. And then as soon as they started wrenching on Mercedes, they've wrenched on nothing else. And we must have a Mercedes to wrench on. And I say wrenches work on lots of stuff. Okay, all you right. Know, that ten millimeter goes on a lot of things. That ten millimeter socket get get sixteen <laughs> of those because they're going to go on a lot of different cars. So I mean, Porsche, I found tens, thirteen, and seventeen millimeters were my go-to sockets. Like, yes, but everything was one of those three: <laughs> ten, thirteen, and seventeen millimeters. You would know. So I think you're going to walk here with between forty-five and fifty-five thousand euro. And what I think you need to do is buy a commuter and fun car combined for when you have to do a little. Just you have to go somewhere real quick. It's this car, or when you want to do one of these fun roads with your father-in-law or by yourself, you need that car, and you need a family road trip car. Mm. And I have a quick list for both. You want me to run through it now? Do it. Do it. I want to hear this. Here's what's up, man. Buy yourself a fun commuter car combined, convertible and wrenchable. 
because you can wrench on anything, but these are probably going to run. Look, But at, he needs something that is broken. I, <laughs> he still has the 500. That's <laughs> the key thing. Okay, okay. so you're saying keep, still keep that. Because he can't sell it until it's restored. Every part That's of this story true. is he can't sell it until it's restored. Mm, you are still yeah. mid-project on that one. That's true. So anyway, Toyota MR2 Spider. take a good look at that. You already liked the Miata. The ND convertible is worthwhile. But the one that was not on your list that you, that you got close to, and I don't understand why you didn't mention it, is the Boxster. Good. Don't get a Cayman, get a Boxster. He does mention you ha- he mentions a Cayman convertible and how much he likes convertibles. And he, exactly. He mentions how much he likes the convertible experience, and I just went, go buy a Boxster. Oh, that's good. And what is the problem with an old Boxster? Well, it's going to need stuff. It's going to break. But, but it's going to need stuff where the parts exist, and what it really needs it's is true. somebody that knows how to wrench to make it right. I can think right now, water pumps in the early ones are like something that they all need, okay? Yeah, they're like Pringles. Totally. They come in like a six-pack. Ronald, you want something to wrench on? Get yourself a Boxster. Fix anything it needs to have happen. There's some book out there that's like 101 things you must do to your early Boxster. I remember seeing that book one day, okay? Before you can drive it? No, no, no. Dot, just dot, period. Dot. Like like re- oh. refining it. So my okay. point is, what a great car to work on. It's German. It's not a Mercedes. You can wrench on the Boxster when it needs stuff. And otherwise, guess what you have? A fantastic back road corner carving car that's a convertible. Done. That's pretty good. And then the family road trip car. Yes. The Mercedes you've mentioned, the 500E, is very cool. Mm-hmm. It's very, very cool. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that is the below-the-budget car, meaning you can't – I don't know what the prices are right now, but you can't get one unless you sell everything <laughs> and you only buy that. I'm wondering if that's where we're A at. A lot. Yeah, exactly. So that may be out. But And, and I will give you <clears> – <throat> I will give you a Mercedes free pass here and say you can consider an E-Class wagon because you're a Mercedes guy. That is the fantastic family hauler. But I'll tell you where I really went. Once an amazing family hauler road trip car likes to wrench on weird stuff. Okay. My brain went Phaeton. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. How awesome would that be? Oh, my gosh. Because that is one of the best road trip cars full stop for all time. Oh my gosh. That may scare you. I'm and it scared. May understandably scared. I'm you. horrified. So I backed off of Phaeton and I landed here. Good thing we're sitting. Get yourself an Audi A8. Whoo! Get yourself a used Audi A8. It has all of the stuff of the Phaeton to be like a continent crusher, family, amazing road trip car. That's true. But it doesn't have many of the everything is tied to this 30 year old brain oddities that the Phaeton has. Like a Phaeton only out of aluminum. Yes. And and with connections to normal technology versus trying to do everything out of one little ATM in the dash. Okay? Oh my gosh. So I, I if Ooh. you're if you're challenged by the Phaeton at all, Ronald, if that intrigues you, I say run, don't walk, and get yourself a Phaeton because I think you'd love it, but you will definitely be wrenching on it. If you if that scares you, then do Audi A eight because you can get a lot of those. And my wild card is a Volvo V60 wagon. Get the hybrid version, blow it out, and have a world-fantastic, continent-crushing wagon for the family. But I want you in an A8 and a Boxster. Dang, well done. And the Mercedes is still in the garage getting fixed. <laughs> this is the 500 can't even be sold yet. This is what's so crazy about this story. That's really good. Well done. Well, Ronald, as you probably can tell, 
that E500 is like my soft underbelly. You love that car. I remember I we really saw do. one in LA one day. I was driving my old Z and you were in the passenger yeah. seat and we saw one near my house yeah. and I thought you were going to jump out. And I'm looking at a Mercedes sedan. It's cool. <laughs> it's got a nice stance, but it didn't yeah. dawn on me what it was and you were practically crawling out of the car. I almost had a conniption, but yes, because I feel the, the Mercedes love there that you that, think that you're expressing <laughs> Uh, I, I want all three to go away. I want the 500 SEC to go away, but I know you can't do that because you want to get your money out of it. You got to rent that's it. That's so a key I guess thing. Yeah. That stays. But yes, yeah, sell all the classic Mercedes. If you can get that 124, the W124 E500 Mercedes, get that because then you'll still have a V8 Mercedes in your life. Yeah. And that's the family car. That's the continent crusher. But if we're to suggest to a German, in they come from the land of... Porsche and BMW and Audi and Mercedes. And it's hard to say, yeah, go get something else when you have all these amazing cars from your home country. Go get a Korean car. Go buy a Chevy. (laughs) These these are hard conversations. Yeah, for sure. The laughter. Well, first of all, there's the question mark over your top of your head and then the laughter ensues. But you're in Spain. Yes. I say embrace it. And that's why I chased... Seat. A seat. No. Find a good no. seat. Pull that seat over here. Now, Cupra, the brand, has been carved off from Seat. Yes. They are now either hybrid or full electric. Mm-hmm. So if you found an older Leon Cupra R or mm-hmm. something in like that, something else that's turbocharged and frantic. That Yaris GR. Yeah. GR Yaris really struck a chord with me. Yeah. Because I love that for you. E500 and the exact opposite. It's like yeah. having an old yeah, German shepherd that. that lays around the house and the new six-month-old yappy little dog. <laughs> That's good. somehow they're friends. This is good, yeah. I also like the Civic Type R for you, but if your budget is blown after you buy an E500, the Ford Fiesta, S- Fiesta ST, mm-hmm. the new one yes. for 24,000 euro is the new one we don't get in North America. We have heard such good things about it. Mm-hmm. It's frantic. It's turbocharged. It's this yappy little thing that you, yes. you just need to take to those mountain roads near you and thrash. You need to beat on this thing. <laughs> yeah. And get all your adrenaline out and you just, you and your father-in-law look at each other and you wipe tears of laughter from your eyes. And then and you go, go work on an old Mercedes. And then you, exactly. <laughs> then you have your wrenching thing to do. I love the two cars for you. I'm probably blowing out your budget by asking you to get the E500, but I cannot deny that that's in your blood because if I say wipe out all the Mercedes and sell everything, I, I, I love your suggestions, Todd. They're excellent. This, he's being challenged here. For yes, sure. he is. Yeah. I'm giving you the out, Ronald, but if you get the E500, then you're, you're required to get a yappy little thing <laughs> that's annoying <laughs> and frantic and I turbocharged. That. That's really good. Yeah. And you have to like work your way up like, ooh, is today the day where I drive my car? It's not an E500. It's not this, you know, lumbering thing. This is going to be like, start the car. But European B roads are what those little hatchbacks are made exactly for. Exactly right. That's, they're awesome for that. I want yeah. one for you. Yeah. So, therefore, Ronald, it's back on you at this point. We've given you two different options. Yep. You've got to write to us and tell us what you end up with and what you're going to drive to go do this. I love it. Every winter, we find ourselves tracking snow, salt, and grime into our cars. 
Thankfully, Covercraft has a variety of floor mats to keep you winterproof. Covercraft floor mats and cargo mats are custom fitted to your exact car and include the original equipment security grommets if applicable. They're the perfect and durable way to protect your car's carpet and add style and comfort to your interior. Plus, you can choose from many color and material options to complement or contrast the interior colors of your car or truck. Covercraft is sure to have what you need. They offer plush carpet, Berber carpet, or even sheepskin, which is warm in the winter and cool in the summer. Whatever mats you choose, remember to use the code EVERYDAY22 at checkout to receive a 10% discount and free shipping from Covercraft.com. Brad is writing in from near Atlanta. He has two spots to fill. Why? Well, he's been a car guy all his life. He is about to have both of his daughters head off to college. One getting her master's, the other getting her bachelor's, and that means both of their cars, which are interesting. One of them has a Jeep Grand Cherokee, and the other has, what was the other? Oh, that's right, an E46 convertible she picked out for herself. Sorry, Mm -hmm. it's the E46 convertible for the older daughter and the Wrangler Sahara for the younger. I got it wrong. Sorry. All right. They have those two. Those are leaving, Mm -hmm. which means he has two spots to put cars His minister of finance drives a 2013 X5 that will have to be pried from her cold, dead hands. (laughs) Okay. I guess she likes it. That's her car. We will leave that alone. That's fine. Well, he says about his girls' cars, he he says both are fun. He has enjoyed making them better for his girls. With these two vehicles heading off, then he says he's left with a 1999 Jeep Grand Cherokee 4.7 four-wheel drive approaching 250,000 miles mm-hmm. and starting to show it. Starting I would imagine. It? I would. Yeah, I think that's definitely like showing. Just it now? Yeah. <laughs> With, how long has this been the case? Because <laughs> it seems like a while. Yeah. His handle fell off in my hand. Finally. Huh. I have an extra, though. <laughs> exactly. Well, his original vehicle, Brad's vehicle at 14, was a 1966 Mustang Coupe that had no motor. And it started his love affair with cars. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, all right. He would love to add a 1966 Mustang convertible rough driver that could be finished by him. Interesting. Project car. Okay, I see it. I see it. But see, Brad, if you do that, that means you hang on to the 99 Jeep Grand Cherokee. The Grand Cherokees that were tiny. Well, but, but he is then saying he also wants a second car, which suggests to me that the Jeep could go. The second car is the scoot around town, do errands get junkyard parts, that kind of stuff. And he also said, it. this is a twist, it'll be an occasional donor car to friends when he works on their cars. Yeah. Talk about a wrencher. Brad's got it all happening. Yeah. Well, he's ready for suggestions. But the one thing that's missing at the end of this email Mm -hmm. is the budget. It is missing. Yes, we have to extrapolate. I agree. We do. Mm -hmm. But I do think that Jeep Grand Cherokee needs to go. That's step one. I think so, too. But, but I, I feel like he's willing to let it go. It's just got to be replaced by the other drive around, do errands, go to the junkyard car. I, yeah, I, I agree. But I want cars for you that you get and you don't tell your daughters. And they come home and they th- say, Dad, what? how do you have all this money? Why did you? Where? <laughs> how do you get these cars? Why did you not get them when we were around? And it's like, well. You're gone now. This is the new, the this new is, standard this of living This is what here. I'm doing now. Yeah. This is what we're doing now. He, he may be helping them with college. I don't think he's completely out of the woods, but at least there's space for cars. Exactly. Yeah. You guys left. There was an empty hole. There were two of them. So I filled them with two new cars. Space for cars? Filled with cars. Exactly right. Done. And Brad, despite your Jeep ownership, I feel like you're a Ford guy based on your 14-year-old experience with that Mustang. Mm-hmm. And even though you've said in here, yes, yes, I... Of Mustang convertibles, you're thinking about wrenching, but that leaves a space for another vehicle that you said is a donor vehicle. Isn't that interesting? Or the junkyard parts runs. Uh huh. 
And in the midst of this, let's imagine the scenario where you sell the Jeep and you get some Mustang project car mm-hmm. that doesn't run, can't mm-hmm. drive it, mm-hmm. and some trucklet thing yeah. that is not the fun car. You are left without a fun car to drive at this point. Even if the Mustang kind of runs, it's a little right. questionable. Yeah, It's not like you're going to be doing canyon runs or road trips because it's just still primer gray. It still needs the rest of the seats yep. and things are poking out and not quite finished. So you're left without this other fun car. And I admit part of the fun is wrenching. We were just talking to Ronald in Spain. Yep, yep for sure. He loves the wrenching aspect and that is an outlet. And I don't want to say no to wrenching to you. First of all, let's start with a Ford Maverick. That's your get around town Ute. I thought that too. Did you really? Yep. You will not worry about lending it out, and it's the perfect vehicle that will serve junkyard runs well. You can bang on it, beat it around, mm-hmm. get it in, not wipe your shoes off. Who cares? Smudge here, you know, a ding here. Yep. This is, and it's just going to run. You're not going to worry about it. Starts, runs, it just sits there. It's ready whenever for you, for your wife, for your friends. Yep. It's just, it's your village bicycle. Really. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Everybody's had a go, right? But then this driver's car thing is sticking out in my mind. Mm. And even though you do have some BMW love exhibited in your family, only you can put the weight on whether you want a car to wrench on Mm -hmm. or a driver's car. Because if I say, get the driver's car, you're going to come home and you're going to be like, okay, now what? I just got finished driving. I have many thoughts on this. This Nothing to wrench on. I've got all these tools. I'm ready to go. But here's the thing. You've got your friend's cars to work on. Thank you. You yes. have everybody. And when you make it known that you're the go-to guy, which I think you already have. Clearly. You will have plenty of stuff because if you have your own car to wrench on, you'll never have time to work on your own stuff because you'll be working on all your friends' cars. Thank you. So, driver's car it is. <laughs> I agree. You and I saw very similar things in this email, That's and I funny. can't wait to tear it down further because I'm right on track with you for sure. A BMW 2 Series Coupe could go here, Brad. Sure. A Mini Cooper JCW could go here too. And so could a Supra or the new Nissan Z. And I hesitate to recommend it without having driven it first, mm-hmm. but it bodes well. The recipe is there and we've driven all the other Z cars. Yeah, yeah. And we like that recipe, especially if you want a sports car with an automatic, get a Supra. Just get a Supra. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I could say GR86, but I wouldn't say get the automatic GR86. So the, the, get yeah. a Supra automatic Boom, you're done. If you're doing automatic sports car, the Supra is a better choice than the GR, but the GR is much better at manual. And the best part about that driver's car, that Supra, Mm -hmm. it's going to run. It's going to sit there. Sure, yeah. And it has BMW through lines. The bloodline is BMW engine there. I see where you went. So it ties into your wife's BMW love (laughs) there. Okay. And then you're going to be the guy in the neighborhood People will pass your phone number around, Brad. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think sure. they probably already are. That but, seems like. Hey, it. this guy, you know, does meticulous work and it's going to take a while, but man, he's the guy. Take your stuff over to Brad's. And then you've got this Supra and the Maverick to beat around and run around town. I love that. You and I went interesting, similar places. Really? Here, but I, I no want to. Brad, I, hmm. Is the Minister of Finance listening? It's by it's, now she is. It's tough love time. Oh. I'm sorry. It is tough love time because <laughs> I started to think about. There's two through lines on this email, and they go different places, and you've put them both in the same email. Okay. And one okay. is, I would like to buy the car that first got me into cars. 
I get it. I totally get it. We have a TV episode called Inspiration. It was episode one of season 10. It's going to come to YouTube in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for you guys to see it. It is exactly what we're talking about. It is the reason that Paul and I are car guys, broken yeah. down on on film. It's it's uh, it's one of my favorite episodes ever that we've made. I really, really love that. Awesome. So I get that you want that nostalgia. I understand. And you kind of want to build your perfect version of the car that started it all. I, I am 100% with you. Think about mm-hmm. this show we do. I, I totally get your headspace. But there's a separate underlying current here that Paul identified, and that is you're a guy who likes to wrench and has made it known that your friends can bring their cars to you to wrench on, so much so that you are worried about one of your cars being something you can loan to them. Right. Which, if you've gone that far, this is a frequent reality. You're <laughs> talking true. about going to junkyards, and you're talking about loaning out a car because their car's in your garage. Brad, everybody needs to know you. So the, here's, here's the cold, hard reality here. You're going to buy an old Mustang, mm-hmm. and you're going to have dreams of what that Mustang can be, and you're going to buy it for a dollar and a half, and you're going to think about all the things it could be. And maybe the cars Paul's mentioned to you have horrified you on price, but Brad, your retirement fund is going to go into that Mustang. More money yes. than you ever imagined is going to vanish into the hole that is that 1966 Mustang that you think is yes. going to be perfect one day. But then here's the separate thing. I can thing. vouch for that. I totally I can vouch can. for that. Here's the separate thing. Just like Paul said, I don't think you're going to ever get it done. It'll sit. Because you're going to be working on friends' cars. Forever. Yes. And Brad, I'm gonna, this is going to seem dark, but I'm going to go... I, mm. I have an aging father. We've had some like serious conversations, and, that, and I was okay. thinking about this, Brad, and it got me into this thought. I am concerned you're going to buy that Mustang. You're going to work on other people's cars. That Mustang, even if it runs, is never going to be quite right. Mm. And your girls are going to sell it when you're gone, and it never was quite right. Mm. You're going to pour money and time, but not the time you want because you're working on other people's cars. Right. So where right. is, you're filling two spaces in the garage, and one of them is essentially a work truck. And I agree with your Maverick, Paul. But I also think you want to go cheaper? Buy an old Ridgeline. Buy a first-gen Ridgeline. That's great, too. They're a dollar and a half, yeah, man. Yeah. You can get those yeah. for under ten grand. You can, uh, you're a wrencher enough to, if there's anything that happens to be wrong with it, do it. But it's an old Ridgeline. Throw an engine from across the junkyard into the back of that because you don't care. <laughs> get some speed. Seriously. <laughs> get yourself an old Ridgeline as yeah. the workaround truck. No, that's and great. That's perfect. So yeah. if, if you're not yeah. spending new money, so do that. But I think what you need to do is not worry about the Mustang is the crown jewel. Because mm. maybe, but you've had a lot of life since you were 14. Yeah. What if you get the 66 Mustang and it's not that great? I mean, the nostalgia's great, but what if the reality's not that great? Yeah. What happens yeah. when reality crashes into the, into the nostalgia and your retirement fund is stuck in the middle? And there's no time to work on this car. I want you driving something fun. Yes. Fill one of these yes. spots in your garage with a car that you can just love being in. Take your wife out and go for a drive and come back from that great dinner and just look at each other and be like, that was great. Yeah. That yes. was awesome. And I'm sorry, but the rattly old needs work Mustang will not be that answer. Because the whole time driving to dinner and driving back, you'll be thinking about, oh, but see, see, there's this problem now and there's that problem now. And your wife's going, what is going on? So you need a car to drive. Here's my suggestion. What other cars than the Mustang do you lust after? Hmm. What cars in your history have turned your head? And I don't know how much money you want to spend, but I'm worried about that cheap Mustang that never gets finished. So I just had these thoughts. What about a Corvette? What about a Boxster Cayman? What about a Japanese classic? Is that a Z car or a, you, you like to wrench? Is that an a RX rotary Mazda? 
Ooh. Is it a skyline? You'll be wrenching. What, what, what in, has intrigued you in the pantheon of cars that have gone by since you were 14 and you're in your 50s now? Mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. cars have intrigued you? Which ones are theoretically in your budget? My challenge for you is you're at the dawn of a new era of cars for you. I want you to put a five-year plan in motion and there's five cars in five years. Try to get a car that intrigues you, buy it in a year, sell it, and get the next one on the list. Go five cars in five years. If after that five years, you have plenty of time left over to wrench because nobody's bringing you their cars anymore. Don't think that's going to happen. And you still want a 66 Mustang, go get it. But I'm worried you're going to park your money in a 66 Mustang that never is right. You're going to work on everybody else's cars, and you're never going to do the thing that we want so much in the show, which is just you have a car you love to drive. What does it need? To be driven. That's all it needs. <laughs> You're so Brad, on. this is hard, man, but that's where I'm at. You've heard us talk about drive homework because it's vital to drive a lot of things when you're trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is incredibly important. And this applies to online shopping, too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. We know you've heard us talk about it before, and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once, so you know you won't miss that ideal car. Autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. On Twitter, Dave B. asks why Ford makes so many engines that are super close in displacement. <laughs> yes, they do. He listed them, which, which kudos to you. Extra points to you for listing them. Yeah. 1.5, 2.0, 2.3, 2.7, 3.0, Inline fours and V6s. Dave says, couldn't they achieve segmentation with fewer engines and distinct tunes? Mm. Theoretically, yes. But Dave, think about this. Taxes... And worldwide usage. Oh, yeah. The tariff issues associated with displacement, this is the main reason that a four-liter engine or a three-liter engine is like 2933. It's just (laughs) under the actual Mm -hmm. mark, okay? And how many vehicles does that single engine need to power? How many vehicles is that engine going into worldwide, Mm -hmm. whether it's minivans? So just adding a tune and a turbo might not just solve the problem, because of marketing, market positioning, consumer costs, supplier availability, and the ability for an engine factory to take that on. Mm. Here's an example. A CUV that suddenly has the potential to dramatically outperform their larger performance SUV just because you added a turbo doesn't really meet the marketing team's goals for that CUV. Maybe not, yeah. It's the Cayman versus 911 problem, even though that's currently being solved. <laughs> but the GT4 RS has 500 horsepower. So does the GT3. Mm-hmm. Which do you want? Mm-hmm. The one you can afford, right? <laughs> Which is neither. neither. Wait, no, sorry. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Just yeah. kidding. I know this won't meet the marketing people's goals for this, but th- these engines are used worldwide. They're used in all kinds of markets, and they're used in all kinds of vehicles. And that's why it's so tough for platforms and engines to to differentiate a car. We want a bespoke engine with a bespoke chassis for that cool sports car that just gives us that feeling. That's not how the car business works. In many cases, I agree with you. What's interesting is the brands that are going against this and just going, well, that engine works, Volvo, because there is, there's an interesting thing going on also overseas where 
taxes change after you get above two liters. So tons of, that's why everybody makes a two liter four cylinder. And in Volvo's case, it's the only engine they put in everything. They just keep screwing stuff well, to well, the yes, side. Well, yes, now it is. They've, they've gone away from their bigger engines. Yes, they They're have. They're just down to and one. Then, and then you have the EA888 that Volkswagen makes that they put in everything from, I think, a golf cart to the Atlas. Yes. But that doesn't always mean that engine is right. Exactly. We've gone down to one engine at that point, like yes. you suggested, Dave, but... Is that right for an Atlas? Yeah. Ford, Ford is, is splitting this as many ways as they possibly can. And I also think it's interesting, though, that you list all those engines, and you know what's not on there? A bunch of different V8s. <laughs> a bunch, yeah. They they make V8s still, but they used to make a lot of V8s, and now they don't. Mm-hmm. Now they pretty much make small stuff, and they've screwed turbos to it, and they said, it's called EcoBoost. And I went, isn't that a turbo? Just anyway, yeah. Fancy name for turbo? Mm-hmm. For sure. Kazi Chav is frustrated on Instagram. He says this because he, he feels like every car he sees for sale with a manual transmission on a used car site, he sees three or four that are listed as manual transmission and aren't. How do we stop this? The problem is that what you get is people that are posting cars and they're reading down the statute of what the car does. And when it says manually shiftable automatic, they check the manual box. I really don't think yeah. on the part of yeah. dealers, this is an, an attempt at bait and switch. I don't think that's the case. I think it is somebody that doesn't understand that when you can shift an automatic, it's still an automatic. Mm-hmm. So they go, mm-hmm. oh, it's a manual. And you go, no, it's not. You're right. It is like it is like three quarters of the ones listed manual on most car sites aren't manual. It's not what that means. They're a shiftable automatic, not the same. You keep saying this word. does not mean what you think it means. Totally. A timely delivery says real tailpipes are always better, but what is the point of integrating them into the bumper? We just posted an image of the Genesis GV70, and if you look at the rear, those tailpipes are prominent and they're real. Mm -hmm. Now, a timely delivery assumes it's a design choice, but why? Does it serve a function aerodynamically or otherwise? Well, Hyundai's design mandate is that you shouldn't see the undercarriage of a car when you're looking at it from the back. Mm-hmm. Now, that's Hyundai's mandate, but that carries over to both Kia and Genesis. If you look at all their cars, there's a nice, tidy way of seeing it, so you don't see the suspension Mm -hmm. and any part of the chassis. You're right. I hadn't thought about that. You're right. The old-style thing that we all think of is the car ends and the tailpipes just kind of hang down there somewhere, muffler and and a pipe sticking out the back. And if you want to make it pretty, look at the Jaguar E-Type, where they still come up the back. It's just two tailpipes coming up the back. That's very true. That's also because of the construction of the car. Absolutely, yeah. But imagine an E-Type with a rear apron. Ugh, ruin the car. What are you doing? All the way down to the... No, that's all bad. So yes, you're right. It is a design choice, but it tidies up the back of the car, and having those tailpipes still integrated into that bumper shape makes for a performance kind of look. And with the Audi A6 e-tron Avant that they just released and talked about at the top of the podcast, mm-hmm. there's rear diffuser shapes on each side that suggest a tailpipe and suggests performance and it's an electric. And Mm. that's why that e-tron Avant is so good looking because it still has the elements of what we enthusiasts look for in a performance car. A, we like wagons Mm. and it's got these two huge diffuser shapes that suggest raw power and it's electric. It's Mm -hmm. not, it's just simply a diffuser shape back there, but it looks fantastic. That means electric cars can suggest that from the rear without having actual tailpipes because they're not going to. That's impressive. Audi's already kind of taken that away from us, most notably in the SQ5, where (laughs) the sport version has four tailpipes that don't work. 
They're actually just, they're just trim pieces. Molded that and you yeah. make them out of plastic and mm-hmm. you put them on the car and they don't do anything. Yep. But that's there. what they're getting us ready for. And look what happened with the A6. Fantastic. Dramatic. Jason Black also asks us what cars go from dud to stud when optioned from base to highest trim level. Hmm. BMWs. All of BMW's cars. Yeah, that's a that's a good answer for because sure. Because they're yeah. BMWs. Mitsubishi yeah, yeah, yeah. used to do that with like the base janky Lancer. And I think it said janky in front of Lancer on that. <laughs> the Evo like 10. Part of the badge. The Evo 10 styling on the base Lancer looked surprisingly like the actual good Evo, but there was yes. nothing underneath to back that up. And they just yeah. made it like a rally car. Let's screw all the performance parts and yep. take everything off that doesn't matter. That's what the Evo 10 is. But then over here, BMW has always done performance cars by virtue of the base car gussied up and tricked out and tuned up to make the M2, for example, or the M5. A base 5 Series diesel is a fine cruising luxury car. The M5 competition is hair on fire and crushes everything. Amazing. So BMW does it the best, I feel like, because, for example, a Porsche 911, that chassis is just for that car. The Mm -hmm. Cayman is just for that car. In base form, a Cayman is brilliant. It has to have barely any power, and it's brilliant just by virtue of its platform. So then now add the tune, and you have a GT4 RS, and yes, I want one, desperately. Bob McCormick asks about the Everyday Driver Ghost. I, I had to read this email, this uh, question. I saw this. He's talking about a messy digital fix, and I don't remember what episode it was on, and I say that because there's been a lot of digital fixes through the years. Take that out of the sky. Oh, look, you can see the drone. Why on earth is that <laughs> happening over there? There's You, you do some copy-paste. You, you put some little uh, things in there, but there was one at some pixie point. dust. And you better believe it. I check just, it out the door. <laughs> I, my wife just thinks all I do is hit space bar when I edit, so I just hit space bar and fix it. It's great. So there was, there was actually some drive-by that I had done a sky replacement on, and it didn't turn out as well as I hoped but it was better than the uncut version that needed the sky replacement. And you're asking which episode. I don't remember which one exactly you're talking about, but what you saw was something sweep through, and it was sky replacement versus car, mm-hmm. and it wasn't the cleanest fix ever. I try really hard, but I am limited, and we don't have a visual effects department. So sometimes it's a little messy, and you found one, and there, we, don't, we don't hire a ghost. There's no ghost on staff. It's just poor compositing. MTZ for thee says, for the podcast, what characteristics would we want an electric car to have to go buy one? I've talked about battery placement. Mm-hmm. I care less about that. We've talked about range. and I care less about that than weight. Yeah. And the biggest reason is, is because recently, within the last uh, year and a half, you and I, Todd, drove the first gen Tesla Roadster, the original yes. Tesla Roadster. Mm-hmm. It's an Elise. It's an Elise chassis stretched. And then the batteries were added on, mm-hmm. and it's a thousand pounds heavier than your Elise. Time. It's fifty percent heavier. If you want to think about it that way, that's my Elise my weighs two thousand pounds. This one weighs three thousand. When pounds. you put it like that, yeah. And so we thought, great electric Elise. Uh-huh. Let's get in. Let's drive it real quick. And it was terrible. It was quick. I hated it. Yeah, it was quick in a straight line. Yes. And then as soon as you tried to manage its weight by doing some cornering or mm-hmm. anything where it was dynamic chassis control, ugh, it just fell apart instantly. Yeah, and that's obviously first proof concept tech. Of course, but it, but it does prove the problem. Yes. Yes. So I would say I'll give you three thousand pounds. I'll give you Cayman weight, mm-hmm. three thousand pounds or under, and it's it'll have some kind of range, even if it has like leaf range. Mm-hmm. You get 90 miles, but man, is this good thing great to drive? It's going to be more than 90 miles, but you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yes, that would be interesting because at 3,000 pounds, I guarantee it's not going to be an SUV. It's not going to be a CUV. It's going to be something small. It's not going to be a Lucid Air. Think about the fact that the Miata, the current Miata on sale right now is pretty much the lightest car you can buy as a general public. It weighs Mm -hmm. 2,400 pounds. Now, that's 400 pounds heavier than my Elise, which is nuts, but it's also 400 pounds lighter than the GR86 we just bought. And the GR86 is among one of the lightest sports cars you can buy. Exactly right. Exactly right. So- that lack of weight is the thing that that gathers engagement. It, it brings you into a car. Yeah, that's why the Lotus is so fun. Is why the Miata is so fun. I know one of you out there is yelling, but those cars are slow. Fast doesn't always equal fun. I'm going to keep beating that drum, and it's going to come a lot with the GR86 videos. But is that like a circus drum or like what kind of drum it, are we talking? I, I need a big. I need one of those big cymbals carried by an elephant. I mean, that's kind of where okay. we're going. It's, it, there's a okay. lot of happening. All right. But the the thing is that lightness is key, and the more weight you get, the more the the GTR is the best example. Yeah, it is yeah. a world crusher, but it's heavy, which makes it distant. Mm-hmm. So lightweight is so key to involvement, and with electric cars, people have just gone, eh, it weighs what it weighs. If it was right. light, right. and we can also solve the charging time problem. Yes, If that's there's a good chargers point. Yeah. all over the place, and I can charge it quickly, and it isn't a 4,000 or 5,000-pound sports car, you can't see my air quotes, then that is really intriguing. Mm-hmm. An electric Miata that weighs under 3,000 pounds that has 100 to 150 miles of range, but I can recharge it in 20 minutes, I want to know what day that comes out. Yeah. That sounds great. And even though it's you know might not be an electric Miata, but something from Mazda, I bet they're the company to figure this out first. They might. I think it's I'm them or Porsche. I'm most encouraged yeah. by them. Yeah, Porsche for sure with their, their uh, Cayman concept. But yeah, Mazda and Porsche, bring that. Maybe Toyota. They might... Yeah, I'd be bringing that MR2 back. Who knows? Uh, Adrian Lane says that he just heard a recent episode of the Consumer Reports podcast. They were talking about BMW and referred to it as the beaver teeth, and he fell out of his chair laughing. Hey, I just hope somewhere at BMW someone is aware that we've called it that and that has somewhat stuck. I just hope that exists. That's, that's my dream. Heck yeah. Add the man's says, agree or disagree? The best car is the paid-off car. Absolutely agree. It's the best thing you can possibly do is drive a paid off car. I joke all the time and I've blown out people's budgets and I've wasted people's money, including my own. But the paid off car that gives you the the most place where you can operate from the best place you can operate to either buy something new or decide, you know what, we're going to put our dollars elsewhere, but at least the car's paid off and it runs. And even if I have to put something into it, all right, it costs you 800 to a thousand a year in maintenance but it's paid off. Okay. That's manageable. That's the, and that's, that mm, might be a lot too. The question becomes, is the paid off car a reliable car? True. And that's the problem is a lot of times you stumble and I've done this. You stumble across the finish line of paying off said car. And then you realize within a year or two, what it was costing you in monthly payment is almost what it's costing you to keep it running. Mm, And at that point you need to to dive back in. Yeah. True. Last question from me is Ronald Harrison on Twitter asking you about the exception of the Lambo LMP002. Their big Hummer before the Hummer. Yeah. yeah. By the way, have you heard one of those? When you accelerate away, it's this high-pitched V12 coming out of a huge lumbering yeah. thing. It doesn't sound like what you think it's it like, sounds like. Bzz, bzz, bzz. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. The old Grand Wagoneer and the variety of older Range Rovers, will any recent SUVs be considered classics? Generally speaking, classics are when 30, 40 years roll around. Yeah. And with all the tech in today's cars, 
those cars don't have tech. That's true. None of them that you named have a giant screen in them. Yeah, and they, they have levers. Yeah. That Lamborghini is like a forest of levers sticking out at you. Like, what does that do? And the button that just does one thing. Yep. If it Ch-chunk. lights up and you're lucky, you can change the bulb behind the light. <laughs> it's so old school. So classic will be redefined over time, I mm-hmm. think. There will be classic Teslas. There will be those kinds of things. But I think our definition of classic and how we think about them is going to be completely changed. But I think short, look at it this way, short of a museum, when's the last <laughs> time you saw a first-gen Macintosh computer or, yeah. or yeah. a first Atari? You may have memory. You may, you may dust off your Atari if you're old enough to go home and find it in your parents' closet and you dust off your Atari and you plug it, figure out a way to plug it into your TV. Good luck because you need RCA cables. <laughs> yeah. And you get it up on your new big TV and I guarantee you the nostalgia is going to wear off quick. <laughs> You'll be like, yeah, this isn't really accurate. Like VGA is I, 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 I love this, but no. So that that tech is going to work its way backwards through cars and be catastrophic. That's that's the reason I joke about the Phaeton. I loved my Phaeton. I genuinely loved that car. So funny. I would have liked to have kept it, but it was so obvious just in the limited time I owned it that it was tied to a brain from another era. And it was just like, this is terrifying. Yeah. This old tech that is linked to every part of this car. Wasn't the McLaren F1 tied to some old like compact some laptop? Some old Toshiba or compact laptop yeah. with a certain kind of cable that for a while they only had like two of those laptops. Apparently they've gotten more and they figured out how yeah. to convert it. But You'd for a while, they'd it was out terrifying. A yeah. A workaround at some point. Is this a milestone episode? Is this the first time you've ever recommended in all seriousness a Phaeton to someone? I don't Has know. That ever I, I've brought before? it up before. I mean, it, you, you brought gotta, it up a joke, but this is an actual option. It's an option because you want to wrench. Because <laughs> I don't want to wrench. Yeah, you will wrench. I don't want to wrench. But if but but then there's the question about that brain because the yeah. brain is in everything of that car, which at the time was really cool. Twenty years later is pretty terrifying. Oof. Guys, thank you for all your questions. Write to us with your topic Tuesdays car conclusions and most of all your car debates everyday driver tv at gmail.com we love hearing from you when you just drop us a line and say yeah. hey i found this maserati something or this old fate and something we, we love that kind of stuff so write to us we love all your car debates yeah and we're definitely always looking forward to next time cheers everyone <laughs>